Did you miss us? Of course you did. We missed you too. <laughs> Welcome back to Smell You Later, your favorite podcast about sins. Sense. Right now, it's the only podcast about sense. True. So any of you motherfuckers trying to get in the game know that we were here first. Yeah. It's 2021. Who knows what this year will bring? Wait, when are we airing this? Probably still 2020. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Never it could mind. be whatever year. You know, time is a construct. That is true. This is happening simultaneously in many multiverses. It is. Yikes. I'm having a great time. You know what? <laughs> things could be worse for me. Things could be a lot worse. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> things could also not be 2020. Again, time is a construct. Yes, and I think that's right. the year that we all learned that. Really, I just want the pandemic to be over so we can do a live episode somewhere. Yes. Because I want to go off and smell a stranger. Yeah. I, Wait, what? I mean, from a respectful distance. I just mean, like, I want to record from Bond number nine. Yeah. You know, our killing, that killing with a big glass mm. window. Mm. Mm. That'd be great. Yeah, we can do some on the street interviews. Ma'am, what are you wearing? Ma'am. I would love if if we had like a red carpet segment where we just ask everyone, what are you wearing? But it's sent. That'd be so funny. <laughs> that would be funny. That is good. Instead of the designer. Who has designed your scent? Anyway, Tynan, what do you smell like today? I smell so good. I'm wearing one of my very favorite fragrances. I've mentioned it offhand on this podcast before, but I don't believe I've ever really talked about it. <laughs> I'm wearing Unbreakable by Chloe and Lamar. Oh, yes. Yeah, this one is so good. So in 2011, then couple Chloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom put out a scent together called Unbreakable. And if you're turning up your nose because it's a celebrity fragrance or a Kardashian fragrance, I truly don't want to hear it. <laughs> they put it out as a, you know, what are we calling it now? Gender neutral? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Genderless. Genderless. Yeah. They put it out as a non-gendered fragrance. I don't know why I just said that like I'm a 40-year-old Republican. <laughs> <laughs> so it's for anyone. And as genderless as fragrances are beginning to become finally right now, that was not the case in 2011. And I thought it was very cool for a very high-profile couple to do something together and market it as such. It was just really exciting. And I love this fragrance. Anyone who has smelled it on me is obsessed with it. Our friend of the pod, T. Kyle, yeah. loves this fragrance as well. It is so good. It is sort of everything at the same time, but it smells unlike anything I've ever smelled. I don't know that it means much, but if it helps you, the top notes are bergamot, clementine, Granny Smith Apple. In the middle, you've got red berries, like every celebrity scent in the world. A lot of florals, like Lily of the Valley, Jasmine, and Geranium. At the base, you have dark chocolate, cedar, tonka bean, and vanilla. All that to say, it smells like all of that and none of that at the same time. It is so good. I'm not kidding you. The chocolate note at the bottom is not something I'm used to smelling in a scent. And the chocolate and vanilla oddly don't make this that gourmand they just anchor and soften and round out all of the floral in the middle and all the citrus at the top again floral citrus wood chocolate vanilla this shouldn't work as well as it does but it does it it's just a really rich deep fragrance if you like sweet scents like i do but you don't want to smell like a cupcake today this is really really great it is equal parts what is traditionally thought of as masculine and feminine 
I mean, I basically wear all women's scents, whatever. But I think whoever's wearing a certain scent, obviously the perception of that scent changes to whoever's smelling it on them. I don't know if that made any sense. It made sense. It made perfect sense in yes. my head. Thank you. I get um, it. But this hits you just right in the middle. When I put it on today, it was, it's, was even a little bit like woodier and muskier than I remember it being. It is truly just so good. I know that conceptually with, with the branding and everything, this can be a real eye roll, but it it just really works. It is truly exquisite. I go back to it time and time again. It is one of my favorites. I love how, I mean, I'm sure they named it Unbreakable because they're like, our love is unbreakable. Yeah. But I truly wonder if when they were releasing this, if whoever worked on Legal was like, wait, there's an M. Night Shyamalan movie with the same name. Like, can we do this? Yeah, you know what? I actually think they also had to change the name. Oh. I think they had to make it Unbreakable Vow or something. Oh. I think they added something to it. And I think, I, I don't know why, and I could be wrong, but I know that I saw that and I am pretty sure it was not a flanker. Oh. It just like another name showed up, like another version of the name. Also, I think Diddy has a fragrance called Unbreakable. So that may have had something oh, to do yeah. with it. I don't know. I should have done my research. I, I did a couple years ago and then I forgot. So here we are. That's what um, happens. You got to make room for new information. Exactly. And I'll clean be, out the Diddy perfume information. <laughs> truly. I mean, oddly, I'm not retaining any of it. So. <laughs> you know what's really dumb? I don't know why I thought this. Nobody told me it. Hmm. I thought that vanilla and Tonka were like the same thing. I know uh, that they are quite similar. Yes, they are similar, but and I don't know why I thought Tonka was like a specific type of vanilla, but they're they're totally different plants. They're, they're different, but they're often used interchangeably, yes, right? They are often used together as well. Sable, what do you smell like today? I smell like it was a nice crisp day out, so I broke out the Robert Piquet L'Insomnuit. I believe that the French translation refers to insomnia. So nice. Insomnia by Robert Piquet. It's new-ish. It's it's been around since 2016. It's a floral, woody, musky scent. It's kind of like warm and powdery and cedary. It has its own hashtags, hashtag chaos of the night and hashtag midnight iris, which makes more sense because it is quite irisy. One of my favorite notes. This to me smells like hunkering down in a winter cabin with your boo. Like I imagine this is what it smelled like when Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, I don't know his last name, it's just Prince Harry, were like in their little cabin making a roast chicken when he proposed to her. That's the only part of that interview I listened to. The roast chicken. I don't know why, like my brain just like, yeah, mm -hmm, roast, roast chicken. <laughs> I know exactly yeah, why. That's when, a very stable move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Megan was like, we totally weren't doing anything like special. We were just roasting a chicken in the cabin in the countryside. And then Harry just popped the question. And I don't know why. I'm just like, that's the smell of insomnia. I wonder if Megan Markle has ever smelled this. Maybe not. Probably. I don't know. She's a worldly woman now. So she could. That's true. Yeah. But this is such a sexy, warm, understated winter scent for me. I love it. It just smells mysterious and haunted. Yes. yes. I smell mysterious and haunted. I am haunted. <laughs> you wore Robert Piquet on our first episode. One of the early ones. One of the yeah. very early. I think one of the first Delice, three. Yeah. That's a, I feel like my three Robert Piquet go-tos are Eau Delice, V, and L'Insomnie. Nice. And they're all a little bit similar. It's just different vibes. 
but they just, I don't know, Piguet just nails that kind of mysterious and haunted scent vibe. Oh like, yeah, they this, all, is, this is definitely haunted. Yeah, like they all smell so sophisticated but ominous. This smells like a horny ant hiding behind curtain. Yep, that's me. I like this. It's good, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going through it on the show. Yeah, their scents are so good. And then I remember Googling them once and being like, holy shit, these are they're expensive. expensive. <laughs> yes, but they're, they're, they're worth it. Also, every Robert Piguet scent that I have worn stays with me all fucking mm. day. Like good way or bad way? In a good way. Nice. Also, the way I apply perfume, I spray like two on my neck, on like left and right side. And then I also spray a bit on my clothes. So I'm like really smelling it. I never spray my clothes because I never want to be wearing them. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But if I like wear a sweater and I spray on my sweater and then I put the sweater in like the not quite dirty pile, I can wear it the next day pile. <laughs> it still smells like it. So I appreciate that in a sense. You get your mileage out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're expensive, but they go a long way. Like how expensive? It's one ninety five oh. for the 3.4 ounce. Oh. That's not that bad. Okay. Yeah. How much... Do you, how do I phrase this question without sounding like an asshole? How much do you spend on a fragrance without batting an eye? Wait, how much? Okay. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> knowing knowing that number one, we love fragrances, and then yeah. knowing that number two, for me at least, and I'm sure for you, a fragrance is an investment in that you know you use it by nature sparingly. Even if you wear it every right. day, you're not chugging it, so it's going to last you a while. Is what I mean. Right. How much? If you're sort of in the market casually shopping, do you see, like, what's the limit where you're seeing you're like, okay, no. I think the top I'll spend is probably like 250 275 I was going to say 260 yeah. which yeah. I know is a lot of money for a perfume. I do know. not get me wrong. Like, that's a fucking lot of money for anything. <laughs> I don't mean to say, like, I can just drop 260 Sure, 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 sure. Eye, But it's just like, if I'm in that headspace of like, man, I want to buy fragrance. Well, I remember, I think I spent, yeah, like 275 on that one by Rito oil, the mm. Cellier. Those were, what? Oil. Oh, that yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But originally those were like 500 and I just lucked out because yeah. I got to use someone's discount. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think I would have purchased it for 500 no. But at 275 I bought that in 2017. Like, I still, it's still three quarters full, like maybe halfway full at this point. But yeah, I got good mileage out of that and I wear it quite a bit. I think the most that I've ever spent on a scent, and don't get me wrong, this is not a casual purchase by any means, was I bought this in 2013 because it was after a particularly rough summer. I had been uh, laid off from the small business I was working at and then the bar I worked at closed Oof. all in like a week. So naturally buy, buy an expensive fragrance, right? Yeah, no, but like a few <laughs> months passed and like the bar opened back up and like I was writing more. So I like mm -hmm. had money again. And I, I, then of course, like I, I'm finally, you know, in the positive, I mm -hmm. should save my money. No, I should buy a $300 fragrance. I don't exactly remember how much it cost i know it's too much money but it was andy warhol by bond number nine oh. and i know that they've got a bunch of andy scents but this is the silver bottle with the purple andy actual face on it mm -hmm. and i wanted it for so long and i finally was just like fuck it and i still have it today there so in case in point i mean like i i don't wear it every day i, I was for a long time but yeah is that crazy are we crazy no. no i think you should buy something you love that makes you happy 
I mean, at whatever price point you're comfortable with, but like the value isn't in the money. The value is in how it makes you feel. I know. I know that people say like material possessions shouldn't make you happy, but the thing is they do. Who says that? So it's like they fail to realize that when I buy myself something, I am then happy. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, we're we're just like little it's like a little Pavlovian response. Yeah, take that Freud. Add to cart. Yay, serotonin. (laughs) What's the last thing you bought online? Oh my gosh. I went on speaking of purchasing fragrances, I went on free. I don't know why I've been obsessed with finding the the fragrances I loved as a teenager, but didn't or couldn't purchase because I didn't have money or a job. But I was I was sleuthing around for Lolita Lempica. I remember specifically when I was 17 and I was cater waitering at a country club on Long Island. I think I was one of the youngest girls there. And I think like if you're a waiter and specifically a waiter at a place like a country club where everyone's obscenely rich mm-hmm. and has absolutely no concept of human life, it's fucking brutal. Totally. So the other wait staff were all these like like hard-witted, smart-mouthed girls. And I thought they were so cool. And we all had our shitty penguin tuxedo uniforms that were all ill-fitting and like horribly starchy. But they would have these amazing acrylic nails. And this one girl would douse herself in the Lita Lempica. And she was like the sassiest woman mm-hmm. in the back room, but like on the floor, mm-hmm. or like front of house. She was everybody's favorite. All these crusty old rich dudes loved her because she was so sweet. She would sneak them free little desserts or like, you know, a little something, something like to be like, oh, like you're my favorite patron. And obviously she would get tipped obscenely. But then as soon as she got into the back room, she was just like, oh my fucking God, these people. I love her. I know. Let's have her on the show. I know. And so now I've always like associated Lita Lenthica with these like badass girls from when I was a teenager. And I was like, she's so cool. I love that. My mom wore it. So this track. Yeah. So I was like, I need to find the scent again. And I discovered that Lolita Lenthica, they kind of went away for a bit. First of all, they have like Tons. 25 flankers, which Tons. I was like, whoa. Uh, I thought there was only two. For some reason, their distribution just got taken back to France. They seem to mostly be available on their own website. And they redid the original. It's called L'Original. Very original. I think they kind of zhuzhed it up a little bit to make it fresher. But they also have... Do you think? I, yeah, they said they changed the notes a little bit. Oh, hate that. Because the original was like big on licorice. Mm-hmm. And I think the new original features more star anise. Oh, those are similar, though. Yeah, yeah. so they're similar, but like a little different, which makes sense. Like, what's the point of just repeating the same thing? I think they also have the actual original formulation still available, but it's called uh, Mon Premier, Hmm. like my first, I guess. So, which is also confusing because why would you create a new thing called the original that's not actually original? Yeah. But anyway, case in point, I bought that. I bought that and I bought one of the flankers, Elixir Sublime, because it just sounded really interesting. And I bought Nina Ricci, Nina. It's like a little apple-shaped bottle. Mm -hmm. I'm visually obsessed with apple-shaped perfume bottles. And you are both of those, both of those remind you of like your teen years. Yeah. Whatever like psychotic journey you're on, wanting to smell like your teen self, I'm very interested in. I don't, yeah. What is it, man? I don't know. There are a few scents that I will probably acquire from my high school and college years because I've already looked them up and they're not. I mean, like, how much can they really be? You know, I want to get Lucky You. Yes. I want to get Ed Hardy for men. Oh my God. I remember that being really good. I'm sorry. And there's one more, but those two definitely. Oh, and Be Delicious. Mm. I could probably say that one. I, I remember. I remember how that smells. That 
yes, be another apple. Another bottom, apple one. Yeah. Another apple bottom bop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dior hypnotic poison or poison. I think hypnotic poison was. Did you buy that too? No, I had a roommate in college to. who would wear hypnotic poison, and she was very extremely neurotic. Same. And she was she was a, a high achiever, and all she talked about was her IBS. And I found her like incredibly fascinating. And she would douse herself in a cloud of hypnotic poison, which smells very like sweet and candy like. It almost smells like a powdery red candy shell. And I just always clearly think of her because that's what it reminds me of. But again, another hunt, I realized there's a bajillion flankers in poison and yeah. they're all apple shaped. And I just want them. I just want to see them together and happy. I make like a little apple. <laughs> I'm fully going to come back in like a couple of weeks and you're just going to be surrounded by like glass apple vials. I would legit like literally fashion some sort of menagerie if I could just put all of like a collection of Dior poison bottles in like a glass, what do you, like a cabinet. What, what are those things where like, you know, like in the olden days and estates, they would like display their fine china. Oh, yeah, like a, a china cabinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would legit get a china cabinet. You're gonna be, I'm going to go back and you're going to be yes. like Howard Hughes, just like surrounded by <laughs> have a sham. Just... That took me 45 seconds to come up with his name. I'm so shocked I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a pretty... It's not a relevant reference. No. I mean, like, it's like, you know, you, you dug deep for that. I saw The Aviator. I didn't. But I remember when Stefani was in it. Well, anyway, here's a little bit about the guest, Herbal Essences. When we were thinking about the really, really iconic and important sense of our formation as people, Herbal Essences was absolutely one of them. Mm -hmm. I definitely made my parents buy the huge Costco, like a gallon sized bottle just so I could just put like a pint in my hair every time I washed it to smell that smell. And they've evolved a lot since then. They've evolved so much. They like went back to that 90s bottle yeah. as like a redux, as it were. And we were just really curious, A, who made the sense, why they made the sense, how it came about, all about it. I want to know. Anyway, on the show today, we have Zerlina Dubois and Stacey Hertenstein, master and senior perfumers, respectively, for Procter & Gamble. They work on herbal essences as well as other P&G brands, and they've both been at the company for quite a while. Um, I believe Zerlina has been there for 33 years, and Stacey has been there for 27. Wait, can I say something? Yes. You can feel free to cut this okay. out. I'm hoping you do. <laughs> You were just talking about shampoos that you used when you were younger. You know what shampoos I loved? Was it the L'Oreal one that looked like a fish? Yes. yes. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> the L'Oreal Kids yes. one that looked like a fish and had the big googly yes. eyes. Uh, bitch, I used those until I was like 17. Uh, yes, I remember they were billed also as like one of the all-in ones. It's like shampoo and body wash. Yes. Yeah, when my family and I went camping, which is quite a bit when I was a kid, we would just bring those L'Oreal bottles because, you know, when you're using like a campground bathroom, it's ostensibly like a locker room public bathroom. So it's like, you don't want to bring all these bottles in there. So yeah. we would use the L'Oreal. Oh God, the smell just reminds me of like all my like summers camping in Montauk. Oh it's my so God. Nice. I have just like a bald buzz cut right now. Like it doesn't matter what I use. I'm going to buy one of those today. I'm going to look for that. Oh yes. my God. I remember how it smelled. I'm so uh, sorry. Anyways. <laughs> we just spun out. <laughs> well, without... <laughs> I regret nothing. After that tangent, now we're really excited to get into this interview. So let's get into it. 
Okay, so this is Zerlina Dubois. I'm a master perfumer at P&G. And I've been at P&G for actually 33 years. So I started off when I was Not really young. Let's wow. just say that. No, I've been here for 33 years. My focus has always been on fragrancing all our beauty products. So I've been with the herbal brand from the beginning of time since it's been here with P&G. I even have one of the original herbal green bottles in my office that I've saved over wow. the years. I've trained a lot of perfumers and been in the business for a long time. Hi, guys. Stacey Hurtstein here. I'm a senior perfumer, actually, so not quite as long here in Virginia, but hoping to get there. And I also am like really super excited to be creating fragrances for herbal essences. I, I often tell my family and friends that if I couldn't create fragrances for a living, I would definitely do it for a hobby. It's the career I didn't know I needed when I was little, but I always craved and wanted. So we're, we're crazy about fragrancing things and we love working on herbal. Sweet. We can relate. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and how long have you been with the brand? Doing fragrances for 27 years. And here's since we brought herbal essences into our portfolio. So you have two of us who've been here a long time, been perfumers for a long time. We are like sisters. We've been together for a long time. Wow. <laughs> so you guys got all the PNG dirt. Huh? The original herbal essences scent. Around what year was that? Was it the 70s? Yeah, it was in the 70s. And, you know, uh, let's just say herbal's always been about nature. And the original was about these botanicals and herbs. And it was a really memorable scent. As you can see, I still have an old bottle and it actually still smells the same. And, you know, this was kind of the definition of herbal. It was what women loved back then. I think it's a great scent. And AC and I have actually recreated it. So when the brand wants to bring it back, we're ready with that. And it's all about those memories, those emotions. And, you know, scent is so powerful about bringing back that time, you know? I think this is one that's so memorable that when you, whenever Herbal brings this back, it's going to be just a big wow again, you know, because of, of the power of it. But also, if you think about it, it's very bold. It's green. It's got this big white floral. I think they talk about the 12 different herbs that are in there. And it's got this nice, clean, musky scent in the background. It's great on hair. It's got this big bloom. It's a classic. We actually call this a very iconic. And if you think back on perfumery, too, it was in the era of fragrances like Lauren and Ralph Lauren and those big green things that were back then in the 70s. I, I kind of like to think this fragrance, you know, when we study perfumery, when we're in training, we look at the line, the lineages. And this one definitely, at the time, stood out and created line on the map, right? And I think the other thing that we can all relate with, I have a child of the 70s. I grew up in the 70s, and I remember that. And it, it also it just marks the point in your life when you have a fragrance like this, because you can look back and have a feeling, you smell the set I can remember growing up and being calm and my mom shampooing my hair with it, and it just, it just takes you back. So it definitely made a statement. Actually, I have a question. Can I jump in here? Hearing your, your background and how long you've been with PNG, how is creating fragrances for body and hair products different than maybe creating a fine fragrance? So creating for a body wash or shampoo, you really have to think about what form you're putting it in. Because if you think about that smell of the shampoo, the shampoo itself without any fragrance has an odor and it's not a pleasant odor. But first you have to figure out that. And then you also look at making sure that fragrance is one, it smells great out of the bottle. 
then does it perform in the shower to give you that big bloom? And when I say bloom, I mean, Stacey and I have studied bloom for years, okay? There's different stages of bloom. There's the bloom in the lather. There's the bloom with the rinse. There's the bloom in the bathroom. And then we also even look at it on hair. Like we actually have hair switches that will wash and study the smell of what stays on the hair. So we actually look at all the stages of the fragrance and it's very important. When you create a fine fragrance, which I've done before, can be used to own like the fine, some of the fine fragrance business, like Dolce Gabbana, and we used to own those. So we've, we've also worked in that area. And that's very different because you're just working in alcohol and water. And it's just very linear because you're just wanting that to smell great on skin, but it's a very linear kind of approach. And also alcohol and water, it shows everything. It's like anything you put in your formula is going to stick out. Where in shampoo, you have to have higher levels of things to actually make it come out of that product. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so like in a simple term, it's sort of like we, we like to think we have to get fragrance into the air or under the hair. So, and, and the other thing that just to build on that, that really gives us, I think, kind of a cool point of uniqueness is that we have perfumers who formulate fragrance, like Zerlina and myself in our company, but we can work hand in hand with the product formulators. So we can really build this thing from the ground up, make sure we have all the compatible chemistry with the product and that we can really communicate and bring forward all the cool things that we want the fragrance to do along with what the product is doing. We're the only consumer product company that really has a strong base of perfumers because all the other consumer product companies use our fragrance suppliers, but we use the fragrance suppliers too. And because we're perfumers, we talk with their perfumers and learn from them. And we all know each other in the industry. We're a very small group. You know, there's not too many perfumers in the world. We all kind of know each other and, and learn from each other. I mean, Stacey and I have spent time with some of the perfumers who created, you know, Straight Door and Beautiful. We, we know them personally. Those were the people who trained us. And even though we work in shampoo, they're okay with training us. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. If you think about us like a sommelier or something, you know, just like they go through all that training to understand wines and the tastes and flavors, that what it takes to become a perfumer. I mean, when I train, I just finished training somebody actually two weeks ago and it takes three years to become a perfumer. And then you're a junior perfumer. Then you become a perfumer after that. It's a long process and it's a long train. Wow. I would say for Stacey and I, this is just, it's not even our job. It's our way of life. I mean, we're always smelling things, tasting things. I will tell you in this COVID time, it was really, really hard for us because we couldn't get out to smell and taste and even be in the lab for a little bit. And now, and that's why we're happy to be at work because we're happy to be in our lab smelling again, you know? That's so fascinating about what you said about testing shampoo uh, blooms with hair swatches. Yeah. Do you guys have like all different types of hair types? Why do you think hair absorbs odors in a different way than the rest of your body? We also study in what we do, which perfume material will be most likely to go on the hair. So it's, it's definitely a science and an art. And of course, you know, we're always working hand in hand with the product formulators and we have hair experts in our company who are studying all the things and guiding us. I don't know if you really say, Daisy has a degree in chemical engineering. And then my degree is, well, my undergraduate was in 
studio art and chemistry. And then I have a master's in organic chemistry. So there's a lot of science, even with the art of perfumery. Can you tell us how the herbal essence scent has changed and evolved since the original version? Yeah, I mean, so this is a really fun topic. When you're creating a fragrance, you are really telling a story. You're really trying to bring forward what that product is doing, what it's about thematically, the ingredients. And, and we certainly mentioned about, you know, being she has an art background. You know, it really is like creating an art piece. So you're trying to say, okay, what is the picture? What am I really painting here? But then you have to think about like layering and the, the, the elements and the modifiers you add around are really like the brush strokes in a painting that keep you coming back over and over. So you get what it's about, but you see something a little bit different every time. And I, I think to, to really do a good job in fragrancing a brand, I mean, for one thing, you have to know what you're about and you have to stay true. You have to understand what your core is about. And that's that's staying true to your heritage. Of course, you know, over the decades, we know that our goal has remained true to a botanical heritage, you know, a range of fragrances that tell a variety of stories. And, and I think that our job really is to continue to tell that story and to create memorable moments. And, that, and you know, Darlena a minute ago talked about our original rain herbal essences from the 70s. And of course, that was a big sign of the times. It was very overt, very bold, very green, you know, very kind of telling at, at what was happening during that time. As we think about how the brand evolved, really, if you think about the 90s, we evolved at that more floral. We had our rose hips and chamomile collection. But really also an important point about the 90s was where we really pushed the envelope on the full shower experience. So that fragrance, although, you know, it's built upon this beautiful bouquet of rose, jasmine, lily, and really nice floral fiddle, it also was important to have a really big pop on the top with this orchard apple. So, I mean, I think that was kind of a really big signature of the 90s. Uh, things really evolving into that big, fruity experience and also giving a good linger on the hair. And then also another kind of big motive for herbal, if you think about it, was in the 2000s where we really brought out this coconut with hydration. And if you think about coconut, I mean, look how popular coconut is. And it's kind of cool to think, you know, herbal was right there in that movement, we could say maybe shaping where the shampoo aisle went. So we were right there. I mean, so again, I think it's all about staying true to your core, remembering what you're about. We're celebrating nature. And how do you keep upping your game and really relevant to what the consumer is going to want? Or sometimes even say, we don't know you're going to want this yet. We're going to make this for you and we're going to really go bold. And we're going to create a theme. Yeah, I feel like coconut in every brand that has a coconut scent, they always say that that is their mainstay, like standout scent. Yeah, yeah. Bath and Body Works, they said they put they have coconut in not every scent, but they always have a coconut in every collection. Yes. Yeah. You know, coconut to me, to me right now is like one of those must-haves in a brand. Mm-hmm. You know, Verlina and I have been asking so long, we remember when coconut milk was like, well, that's going to be a tanning product. Yeah, so Tynan and I kind of grew up in the, you know, mid 90s to mid early aughts. And the scent of herbal essences was so, so prevalent in our adolescence and especially the the commercials uh, (laughs) with the the women having these like orgasmic hair scent experiences. We would love to talk a little bit about, I guess, like the cultural impact of Herbal Essences, like branding at the time. What was your experience during that time with the brand? No, you're right. It was that whole, you know, that when Harry met Sally when she was yes. hanging on the table, you know, that trendy commercial 
actually, it was very unique for P&G back then to do something like that crazy. and to keep that going. Yeah. And to think about it and to think where we are today is just, it's amazing. But part of that was, you know, again, Herbal kind of really was in the beginning stages of this fruit trend, like Stacey started talking about with that chamomile and that floral bouquet, which really had a bunch of apple in the, and a crisp apple nuance in there. And if you think about the fruity fragrances and shampoos in the 90s, it was about covering those big odors in the salon, you know, because back then in the 90s, people were perming their hair. So those fruit notes were really volatile and it would give you that big burst in the shower to cover up those nasty things that we were putting on our hair back then, you know. <laughs> and so it was part of that, but then it gave you this big, really delightful experience of it orgasmic thing that we were all like wanting and dreaming about you know back then do you guys remember noticing like a huge surge in sales or were like just people talking about the brand after those commercials and like how it kind of affected the direction of the brand going forward after that if you think about it really you know i think what we can say you know herbal's always been known for that, right that's is crucial it's fundamental it's central to the whole thing but if you think about it, we really want to own the shower experience. And it's been really about driving the in-shower experience. And I think the advertising campaign really brought that forth in a very overt, possibly sometimes colorist way, but it made a statement. And that's just what Herbal has always been about, making a statement. It's like, how do we, how do we do something great for our hair? But how do we escape? And I think that if you think about that campaign, it really did celebrate an escape. That is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's the, to me, like I noticed the parallels between fragrance ads in general, how they're so over the top experiential about escapism. And that was the first, yes, it's sexual. <laughs> and that was the first time I realized like, oh, for a shampoo brand, like, huh, I see what you're doing there. Well, Herbal Essences also to me seems like a pretty safe brand, you know, in that it's available in the drugstore and at a very accessible price point. And those commercials, especially in the time that they ran, were sort of anything but. Did you guys feel like that was, I mean, obviously it was a risk that paid off because we're still talking about them 20 years later, but how was that at the time going into that? Yeah, again, we've been here a long time and when we acquired Herbal, Facing, I was, and I would say it was really an opportunity to do some really fun, creative things that would work. We didn't have brands like Herbal when Herbal came in, and it allowed us to be more creative than some of our other brands to try some of the newer fragrance types. And because it was targeted to a younger consumer at the time, and also wanting to be fun and experiential and bring that emotion in. So we actually were really excited when we acquired this brand, and we were really excited to do new fragrances for it. We've collaborated for 20 years, I think. Yeah. We'll start. Okay. How far can I go with this? And then, you know, I'll pull it back more and more. I think, but, you know, how can we really create a signature? And I think the cool thing about herbal is the variety of ingredients and the variety of signatures that we can really create. One of our creators will work on what's the hemp. So it's something like how do you bring that to life? Right. I mean, so it's a never-ending uh, place for us to really rant out a explore and, and go signature. And Stacey said she brought up the hemp idea. Hemp is a really interesting one because we were really trying to figure out what does consumers want to hemp smell like? And we did a bunch of consumer research to really get to this fragrance. And it wasn't like that hot, earthy smell. It actually has a little bit of a creamy coconut underneath. 
And that's what they thought hemp should have too. Coconut wins again. Yeah, always. <laughs> and all of it's like this green kind of all right. Story. It's yeah. again about celebrating the signature of nature and what the whole life is about. Were there ever any surprising or unexpected reactions when you guys launched a new scent or reformulated anything for the brand? So out of that lineup, we also have the mango version. It's the potent aloe and mango. And this was kind of really an interesting one. So Stacy and I, we were kind of surprised that we went this direction. We had been working on some new tropical fruit. We were really excited about this and consumers really liked this fragrance too. And it's always exciting when you create something and you get that consumer feedback that they really love the fragrance. You know, I will tell you as perfumers, we get a lot of criticism in our case. Life. A lot of people will tell us they don't like things. It's really hard. When I train perfumers, I tell them you have to have big shoulders because people tell you a lot of times they don't like it. So when people love something like this mango, it's just really excites us and makes us feel good to see that going. So do you guys do different scents for different regions? Like how, how global is, is Herbal Essences? We work on brands all over the world. We're global, right? We work on in Asia and Latin, everywhere. Cool thing about being a perfumer is bringing a fusion of something, right? So something we encountered in a different region or our personal experiences and kind of lacing that in in an unexpected fusion that creates now you don't have just, let's say, an apple, but you have something else, a touch of something special in there to really elevate the experience. And it's bringing people along on that journey. Do you find, since PNG has such a reach, do you find that different regions respond to different scents or different notes, some more than others? That's a really interesting question. And I think that one that evolved, honestly, our answer evolved over time. So I, I think, and Jolena could speak to this, as she does a lot of really cool trends research, that we see, you know, major trend movements that are global, but sometimes the particular execution of that can vary. Although I think what we would say is with access, and people are traveling, or at least we're traveling, and hopefully we're all going to be traveling again sometime. Yeah. Fingers crossed. You, yeah, fingers crossed, definitely. The world is shrinking. So I think, you know, where there may have been things that were super regional in the past, we may see a little bit more crossover and it really just depends on the theme. Yeah. And that, I mean, what Stacey said is so true. I mean, if you think about fragrance trends, when I look at them and research them, I look at a lot about in Shitsu, what are we eating? What are we drinking? And now with this eating everything from all over the world, our fragrance preferences have a very global kind of scent to it. But then now to us being in this COVID time, we're also wanting more of a local twist because we're all home and eating more local foods, bringing back foods from what you grew up with. So there's a blend of this that's going on that we're seeing. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So it's kind of a mix. There might be some things that are less familiar and we have to kind of ease it. There could be something that, wow. And that's why the recovery is always important along the way. Or you could even say, like, I'm just using this as an example, but like yuzu, yuzu might start first in Asia because it's a Japanese fruit. But then over time, Herbal wants to do something off of yuzu because now it's become popular over here. So we also see these things start in certain regions and then grow and go figure as it goes across. 
You know, that's funny because I have been seeing more use you notes cropping up. Yes, 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 yes. One of my favorite flavors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you see it in cooking and in my trend program, we study, we look at restaurant recipes, we look at what our chef's using, and that's how we look at what we're going to put into our fragrances. See, fashion trends, beauty trends, those are things I understand. But when it comes to scent and flavor trends, that boggles my mind. Is there a secret Illuminati group that decides like what will be the trend? How do they, yeah. how do they figure that out? And how do they forecast? <laughs> I, I do that for p and I lead a group that does the fragrance trends work. And we don't just look at fragrance. We look at food. We look at emotion. We look right. at how people are even feeling in the world. Like, let's just take this post-COVID, right? How are people feeling? Well, there's a trend we're calling cozy homebody because we're all home and we're making banana bread and drinking coffee. And, and so you're going to start to see those kinds of smells come out in some of our products, right? I mean, huh? I use it. As, I mean, this is an example. This is a story I tell all the time. It's an old one, but I'll use it. Okay. After 9-11, you know, think about it. We were scared. We wanted safety and comfort. And after 9-11, vanilla fragrances boomed because they're familiar, they're safe, they're comforting. So now with post-COVID, again, what are we feeling? What are the emotions we want? Those are the fragrances that are going to be meaningful for us during this time and after this time. That's crazy. That's so exciting because I feel like everyone will be so, well, hopefully I feel like people will be much more adventurous because they've been cooped up for a year. What a rage. I think it'll be a combination of we want to, we've got a safe, we call breath of fresh air because we want to go back outside, right? We miss smells of being outside and then we have the cozy home buddy because we're smelling all these things that we're cooking and baking at home. Oh my God. Let that Yuzu fly. (laughs) We're all working for a steak cake. Your beauty road and the different product, I mean, you can explore, you can experience something until we can travel. So I'll also tell you, it was actually probably around a year ago, you know, herbal is also connected to the Royal Botanical Gardens, the Kew Gardens. And we talk about that within the herbal story, and that's how we're partnering with them on our botanical. But we're also partnering with them from a fragrance standpoint. So I was there a year ago in their garden. And they have like a huge garden of thousands of roses and we got to smell them and capture the smells of them. And they've got unique plants and we're going to keep leveraging that plant knowledge that they have because that will help me when thinking about what's the next big fragrance for herbal. So is Kew Gardens kind of like the herbal essences version of like Chanel's acres and acres of rose gardens for their rose gardens? Well, I would say... Definitely, it's not where we source the fragrance, but it's definitely the inspiration for uh-huh. our fragrance. Yeah, I wish we had those rose gardens from Chanel. <laughs> and one of the cool opportunities that we have an ability to do is when when Darlene said capture, right? So, so really, what we mean by that is we we have a tremendous partner who has a way to analyze what's happening off of the plant. So the coolest thing ever, right? And perfumer, you want to create an authentic experience, right? Serlina and I went on a lot of walks this summer. We passed several flowers. We also passed the honeysuckle. She admired literally every time we walked. And it was like, how do you put a bag around that and put it in your shell? So we have a way to actually use science to analyze what's happening because the blooming flower is the most beautiful thing in the world. And the beautiful thing about that too is that you're not disrupting nature. 
you're actually just celebrating. And then we could come back and study that and then for humors, you know, get as close as possible to recreating the beloved flower. So that's something we're really interested in doing more of and we have a way to do and we're super excited about the possibility. Isn't there like a molecule extractor that that can study non-centric ingredients? Yeah, like a, like a, it studies things that you can't extract from, right? There are things that you can't make an essential oil out of, right? So what this analytical thing can do is it kind of covers the headspace of the plant and it extracts it out and then they put it through an analytical machine and spit out like, here are all the chemicals that are in that. And then Stacey and I put those together and we can get that exact smell. Now, you can do that with plants. You could do it with your margarita drink. You could cover this. You could extract the smell of that margarita drink if you wanted to. And for viewers, you know, we're always studying ways to bring, quite honestly, authenticity. I mean, it's about celebrating the product, the ingredients. How do we bring the story forward in the most beautiful, authentic way possible? And we know that nature does that really better than anything. And I think that's also why we love working on our school, because it really celebrates that. So if you want to capture the most authentic sense of nature and you also want that shampoo to have a very impactful bloom experience, how would you have to tweak the scent to have it kind of amplify in that way? So as we put the recapturing of the plant, Mother Nature actually does a really good job. And we take those chemicals and we almost like concentrate it down. So it's very potent. And that potency is going to give you that big burst in the shower. And we just also look at what are the kind of materials we want to lay down on those hair to smell. So we really look at that formula closely. And we also use very quality ingredients, I would say, to make sure that that's going to be a very potent, powerful fragrance. So, yeah, the way to think of it is the recipe that nature uses to proportion will be different than what we use. And we may have to find some other ways to create some of those brush strokes, but nature can really guide us on the formula. Got it. That's fascinating. Yeah. When when we talk about trends and fragrance, like we've we talked a lot about like coconut and yuzu today. How do you guys decide which trends to incorporate into your collection? How long does it take you to respond and get something to market? And do you find that by the time it does hit shelves, is it still trending anymore? Because I know that a lot of brands like our licenses, I can't speak for you, but work, you know, 18 to 24 months out, sometimes even longer. So how does responding to trends in that way work with a timeline like that? So I lead the fragrance trend program for the company. And so we are currently working on what would be for 2024. So that's how far we're looking out. And it's hard to do, I will tell you, it's really hard to do. So we're looking at 2024 so that when we start presenting to brands, probably the new we're researching right now, we'll start presenting like in the spring so that we can be, again, like you said, 18 months from now out in the market with something that's still on trend. And and actually, I think next week I'm actually working with the herbal brand uh, exactly on some new stuff. And so we'll share what are the big spaces, what are the big areas we should be looking at. We research what are the hot new ingredients. Like I mentioned, we talked about coconut, we talked about yuzu, we've talked about hemp and CBD. We, we all know that whole thing. I have a whole person on my team who just looks at ingredients and researches that for all our brands. 
I can't even imagine what I'm going to be doing in a month, let alone 2024. <laughs> no, not at all. I know. It's very hard and it gets very messy and it's good that I have a team because we all bring different perspectives and we research different things like what's going on in wellness, what's going on in nature, what's going on in creativity, humanity, and even luxury. Those are kind of our big themes that we are always deep diving into. Yeah. And I feel like more and more beauty is moving so much quicker than it used to. Now there's fast beauty, like there was fast fashion, and brands are just popping up left and right because Herbal Essences is such a huge brand with, you know, lots of gears within turning. Like, how do you guys compete in that type of environment? Yeah, you know, I think an important point, and this is what we really, really work in trying to do with Herbal, is you have to give them everything. People want it all, right? So I think an important thing is, yes, we need to be super trend relevant and focused. We need to do a fantastic job. We're really designing fragrance experiences. It's not just about a smell. It's about the whole experience. But you have to do that also with a great product, right? And so it's how everything comes together holistically that's really important because we want our consumer to go to the shelf and say, wow, that's super cool. I want to try this. Look at the ingredient. Let me smell it. But you get in the shower and then you realize, hey, this is a really big experience. And hey, I really love what this does for my hair. So I think to really compete and stay relevant, you have to always be evolving. You have to have solid quality in the bottle in terms of the benefits you're delivering with the experience. Right. I feel like especially in hair care, sulfates and silicones were like the two big villains that called out. And then suddenly... So many shampoos were, were advertising or marketing themselves as like sulfate free and no SLSs. Right. Clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like clean products. And since Herbal Essences is such, I guess its claim to fame is its amazing scent. Do you feel like the Herbal Essences customer is now kind of becoming a lot more discerning about the ingredients also more than the scent? And I'm also interested, do you find that across the board in all of your brands? Like, What are you finding the consumer wants and is looking for in terms of clean products? So we always have to be looking at what is important to our consumer, right? And I think clean beauty is definitely a big area. We're all in the wellness. How do we do great things for ourselves, right? And so I think that's where we are pushing forward and some of our salty free formulates, especially, you know, with the potent aloe series. We're also partnering with external credentialing organizations such as Environmental Work Group, which really focus on fragrance materials that are good for us and good for the environment. And so we're really pushing forward in how do we deliver on those benefits that people are super interested in today in, in the area, and I would say, of, of taking care of ourselves and the environment. Yeah, and, and Stacey said it really well, but clean beauty is going to continue to grow. And it's, a, it's going across all our brands, whether it's hair or beauty, body wash. I mean, and we're really learning in this space and, and we're staying up on it. And, and it's also part of our responsible beauty program, too. You know, thinking about clean, sustainable, and what can we do? So Herbal is leading the way, and but all our brands are going to be going in this way. That is so interesting because more and more, I'm so much more aware and I guess concerned about sustainability, especially especially in big household brands, because that's the stuff that gets consumed on such a large scale. So I'm wondering how do things sustainability initiations kind of work in terms of scenting those products? 
So as from a fragrance standpoint, you know, we're trying to be more authentic in our smells and we're trying to really be careful of the ingredients we pick and making sure we're being choiceful in that they're safe, they're clean. And then we also use some of our essential oils and natural ingredients, but we have to be careful again. Like we don't want to put a natural rose. We could use up all the roses in the world, right? So we, we are very choiceful with what we pick and use in our formulas. Sustainability to you then is more than packaging. It, it is about sustaining ingredients. Resources, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us think about like recycling packaging or not using up what we need. Or <laughs> is something right. that I don't think about yeah. often because that's not what I do. And I, and I tell you also, we have a lot of peace around this area and a lot of peace, you know, again, doing good for itself and our world. So more to come and definitely a focus area. Awesome. I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, same. Yeah. I'm glad. I, I love when I hear that big, big brands like P&G take these initiatives because I'm like, hey, you guys can actually enact change. Right. <laughs> when it's like small luxury brands, I'm like, that's really nice. But like, who's buying your products? <laughs> Ooh, actually, again, because like we were and are still so obsessed with the scent of herbal essences. Do you think or have you guys ever thought about or talked about releasing a hair fragrance or even a fine fragrance of the the scents from the shampoos. Hair perfumes are big right now. It could be a thing. Well, I mean, man, that's something we would definitely be open to. We would love if they did that. You know, we're all into that. Yeah, that's for the brand to kind of decide, but we we could easily do that if we wanted to, you know? Yeah, I awesome. feel like I've seen a couple newer kind of indie brands doing that. Yep. Where? Yeah, way does that, I don't know how much success they have with that, but I, I just always found it really interesting because maybe you're like me and you need dandruff shampoo, but you really like the smell of the fancy shampoo. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a good, it's a really great idea. I and mean, you're right, there's a lot of indie brands and, you know, indie brands are kind of leading the way in a lot of things from a fragrance standpoint. And we're always looking at that. So yes, it's something we could easily do. But again, that's something for the brand to decide. And I mean, if you think about Faith uh, and myself, I mean, being at P&G Beauty, I mean, we work across all forms from shampoo to hairspray to APDO to bars to any, anything on the, body. Yeah, on the body, we do it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, the I, difference between us and a fine fragrance perfumer because we have mm -hmm. so many forms. I'm not saying that because the center few, but honestly, we love working on herbal. It seems like a fun brand. Can you speak on any future potential innovations with herbal essences? Is that allowed? We have a lot of ideas on our table right here. <laughs> we have things coming in the pipeline. I'm always looking for new gadgets and ideas. We always have things in the pipeline. We do have a lot. lot of, I love to tell you a story about one of our favorites, Ginger. That's a fun story uh, because that was a fragrance we worked on. And we were almost there, but our evaluator felt that, you know, okay, we needed to bring gender forward. So we we worked, we had worked on a really authentic gender accord. So an accord is like a piece of a fragrance. And we were able to fine-tune the fragrance up. And actually, we did, we did that final week, pretty quickly, right before we bought in one. But it was really the cool story of finding a specific ingredient, making the gender accord one of our gadgets, and then we wanted to really up the game. And if you smell that fragrance for us, we're busy, tutorial, and kind of strike that perfect balance between 
watery coral with its fizzy ginger. And we worked on it. We like to make our fragrances very textural. So it's not like this a flat smell, but like what you're smelling mango earlier, it, it's got the pulpiness of the fruit, you know? And actually, I will say to you right that the blue ginger is our favorite ones we've created recently. We love creating a, a signature and thinking about, you know, how do we build a house around that? How do we create something really deep signature and then continue to refine and get very good? tapping with that outcome. So we have lots lot in the pipeline right now. That's you know, sad. one thing, totally, totally switching your topic a little bit, but before before we end, I wanted, I, I thought about something. I want to make sure that you guys understand. Stacey and I take this for granted. You're talking to two female perfumers and in the fragrance industry, just like the fashion industry, there weren't a lot of women perfumers. It was very male dominated. And there's, Still only, we re- we just learned recently, there's still only 25% female perfumers in the industry. Oh. And out of master perfumers, there's only 40 in the world and there's only eight women. Wow. You know, are you guys a secret club? Because you should be. Yeah, for real. <laughs> we didn't really, but I think at, at P&G, and maybe it's because I've trained so many, I don't want to think I'm biased, but we do have a really nice group of female perfumers here. And because we love beauty products, we so and we lose the rest to do stuff. Yeah, you know, and it it is an industry that we're breaking through as women, but it's still very male dominated. That is so funny to me too. Like speaking on that, how so many of like the biggest beauty brands in the world it's owned by like old white men. Yeah, <laughs> and yet they're like making huge profits off of you know selling women makeup and cosmetics and. It's I know. loopy. It's absolutely loopy when I think about it. <laughs> yes. We just learned these numbers recently and we were shocked because because we work together and there are um a few other women here at PNG Perfumers, we didn't realize it because we just always work together and mm-hmm. and it is interesting to realize how we're very unique here. So fortunate. Yeah. We're really so fortunate to be in the industry. Yeah. We love we love well, I have to tell you, both of us love our dogs. We love working on beauty brands and we love being perfumers. I love We're that. very lucky. I'm very yeah. happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous. I didn't love you that. We're just for travel. Yeah, it can come visit us here in our lap. We'll give you a floor and we can make for. Yeah. We would, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We will hold you to that. I swear to God. We have a nice tape. We have a tape. Yes, it's recorded. We have that tape. That's what you said. <laughs> I really do think there should be like an Illuminati of all the women perfumers. Yeah, have you ever smelled a guy? <laughs> Please. What I didn't realize, I mean, we are, you know, we are briefed on who we are speaking to before by the brand and then we do a, a little research of our own. I didn't realize that these were master perfumers. You yeah. know, these are huge. I also thought it was really cool that they work across many brands and mm-hmm. many different types of products. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. I can't imagine having working in the same place for 20, 30 years. Are you kidding me? That's insane. Kidding what me? What are the benefits like? I was going to, good, clearly. <laughs> I mean, What's the growth like? I mean, damn. I get told no like two times a year and I'm like, bye. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you're not going to give me more money just for enduring this? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was really cool. I mean, I truly, 
I had no idea that creating sense was a job you could do when I was younger mm-hmm. because Same. I feel like my life would be totally different if I knew. Yeah. No one really told me I could do anything cool. You know what? Same, honestly. You know? They were like, well, you're kind of weird, but you like to read. Well, it was also veiled, too. I mean, mm. I, I don't know. We all thought we were going to go into offices and not to. This bleak. Sounds, that bleak. This sounds so dumb, but like now because of social media, it's like. Mm. We are all exposed to many different types of things and yeah. seeing people like do what they want either on their thing. own terms or take what they love and make it into their career, both like we have done. That's a great thing. Thank God. It, it, no, completely. God, these Gen Zers, they got the whole world laid out in front of them. Honestly. In the palm of their hand because the device is in their hand. I mean, this may be rotting all of our brains, but you know, there are some mm. good some good things i love the internet i don't care potato rotting not rotting i also don't think i knew that our blessings had been around since the 70s i vaguely knew it because i remember seeing old old ads with their original green bottle Mm -hmm. it kind of looked like the original bottle for like johnson's baby shampoo with the top too yeah i just remember the woman screaming in the shower <laughs> That's like same, yes. sort of where it started for me. Pretty much. I knew they had been around prior to that, but I didn't know yeah. that they were such a legacy brand. I just remember every time the commercial would come on in between, you know, episodes of Buffy and Dawson's Creek, and you know, there's like one television in the household, and everyone kind of gathers around in the evenings after dinner to watch TV, and like you know, sometimes my parents would watch Buffy with me or whatever, and that commercial would come on, and then I would like start turning red. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, no. It's like when you watch a movie with your parents and there's a sex scene and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Or when like Ludacris comes on in front of your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Exactly that. God, mark my words. We will be visiting the PNG factories to create. Y'all set. heard that too, right? Because yeah. we were all sort of talking at the same time. I hope it makes it into the episode. But they said, we have it on wax, <laughs> that they invited us to the factory to make our own scent. Yeah. They said that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you just you said that to the wrong person. You did. We are on our way currently. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We hope you learned something. Mm-hmm. We hope you go out to your local drugstore and like a pervert, just give a big old sniff to a bottle of herbal essences as <laughs> I will be doing the next time I go to the drugstore. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. We're at smellulator.mp3. I'm at Tyne and Buck. I'm at Sable Tooth Tigra. Leave us five stars or whatever. (laughs) Smell you later. (laughs) Smell you later.